0: Our text for today comes from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: All right. I'm going to raise this up a notch. All right. Well, welcome to church. You're all here. It is uh, cold outside, but it is warm inside, and it's good to be uh, with everybody today. So, uh, before we get into the message, I just want to say I'm sorry for last week. We had uh, we canceled in-person church due to the inclement weather. I believe that's the right word, right? Inclement. I never say that word correctly, Uh, and we were planning on having uh, our service online, but our technology went bonkers. Uh, Everything was on the fritz, which is frustrating to the max, if you're me. Uh, It's exceedingly frustrating, but uh, we kind of powered through and made it happen, and so I just kind of owe our whole congregation a big I'm sorry for that, and that uh, we're working to get better every week, and that's what we're hoping to do. So there's that. Now, last week we began a series on prayer. A uh, three-week series on prayer started last week, and since many of us uh, weren't here last week, I wanted to kind of give a brief refresher about about what we talked about last week, and then we'll kind of get into what I'm hoping is a super practical and helpful message today about uh, a tool that we can use to pray Effectively. So last week we talked about three things that we need to find if we're going to uh, cultivate lives of prayer. And the first thing we need to find is a person, the person of Jesus. If, if we don't find uh, the person of Jesus, prayer becomes a kind of difficult, almost futile thing. You see, prayer is a communicative response with a person, and that person is God, and that person's character is reflected to us, their essence, their, their the substance of that person that we call God is reflected most closely to us in the person of Jesus. So when we look at Jesus, when we meet with Jesus, we find the person to whom we're praying, and so we need to find the person of Jesus. And the second thing we said is that we need to find a place, a place of prayer. And by, by place, I don't mean anything uh, difficult, I just mean you literally need to find a place to pray. Uh, it is hard to just go throughout your day and not have a place. You know, we mentioned last week that uh, in the tradition that I grew up in, which is the charismatic Pentecostal tradition, the place where people prayed was often called their prayer closet. Is anybody familiar with that terminology, a prayer closet? Growing up, I thought it literally meant you had to pray in the closet, right? Uh, Which it does not mean. Your prayers are equally as effective outside the closet as in the closet, but... Uh, I did know people who took it very literally and actually went into their closet and moved their shirts and prayed. Um, again, don't do that. It's not—but the the point being, and the point that those people who had that terminology uh, had, was simply that you need to find a place. You need to find a regular place. And until we find a regular and routine place of prayer, of connection with God, the truth of the matter is, is we won't weave that practice into the regular routine of our days. We just— Won't do it. And the third thing we need to find, and we talked about this last week, is we need to find a resource. You see, prayer is very difficult if we just try to do it without help, without some type of resource to help us along the path of prayer. We need a pattern, and we need a resource, and we need a place to pray so that we are guided in our praying. As praying people, we need all of these things. And the primary resource that I believe we are given in scripture to help us pray, and I've talked about this before, but we're just going to drill down on it today, is the psalms. The psalms, I believe, are the primary resource that we've been given in the scriptures to pray. I'm convinced, and I think the Bible is quite clear about this fact, that the primary tool that we are supposed to use in our praying to actually teach us how to pray is the Psalms. Now for some of us this might sound strange. Uh, I did just say, Nick, like I did just tell you that the, the prayer is a communicative response to God, that it's a relational response to God, and so why do I need a tool to do that? If, if prayer is just a response, a personal response to a personal God, why do I need the Psalms to help me do it? And, and I would say, well, you don't really, right? You don't, you don't need it. It doesn't, it's not a prerequisite, but you do need a little bit of help. You know, very often our first steps in prayer are very simple, and they're very emotional. They're just appeals to God, and that's good. That's appropriate. Kind of like the way that a young child has a few words at first, right? Right? And, and at first is almost inarticulate, but slowly they begin to develop a language, a way of speaking, so that they can share what they're feeling and thinking with their parents, right? This is how language develops in a child. My son, Amos, is one year old, and he has a few words. He says, bye-bye, right? He says, nai-nai. He says, dad. He says, mom. He says, cargo. Car-go. We think he says church because it's literally the only place he goes. He thinks there's two places in the world. He thinks there's home. He thinks there's church. But uh, he's beginning to communicate with us, right, in words. But my hope, my expectation is that as he grows, he will become more articulate, right? We don't want to just keep the way that he communicates with us in the cargo uh, level of communication, yeah, he, we want him to learn to be more detailed and communicate with us in more appropriate ways than just slamming his, like, sippy cup on the table when he wants milk, right? That's one way to communicate, but it's not the best way to communicate. And here's the thing. Eugene Peterson, uh, who's a pastor, who was a pastor and author, likes to say that the Psalms are meant to teach us a vocabulary of prayer. Does that make sense? They're meant to teach us a vocabulary of prayer, and in the same way that a young child learns a vocabulary with which to communicate with their parents, I believe the vocabulary of prayer is hard-baked into the scriptures in the Psalms. And so today, I just want to talk about how we actually pray the Psalms. I'm hoping it's a very practical message, but before we get into the how, I just want to make um, just three quick points about why we pray the Psalms, okay? Why, why it's important that every Christian person should have the, the I would argue, daily uh, time in the Psalms and, t- and prayer from the Psalms as a part of our lives, all right? So the first reason I think it's important that we put the, the Psalms play a central role in our lives and we pray them as a tool to help us pray is because Jesus prayed the Psalms. Jesus prayed the Psalms. The the primary reason Christians need to learn to pray the Psalms is because Jesus quoted the Psalms in the Gospels more than any other book in the Old Testament. Jesus' words in the Gospels are drenched in the Psalms. They're all over the place. And his appeals to the Father very often were quoted Psalms. The most famous of this is when Jesus is dying on the cross, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22 there. He's not speaking his own words. Very often, if anybody could speak his own words to God, you think it would have been Jesus, but Jesus quotes time, or chooses time and time again to quote the Psalms back to God in prayer. Why does he do this? Partially, I think he does it as a model for us, but it's simply the, it's the vocabulary of prayer that was hard-baked into Jesus. As a Jewish boy who read and sang and chanted the Psalms his whole life, they became the vocabulary of the way that he interacted with God. The Psalms became the, the kind of ground of his imagination. We've talked about imagination and the important role it plays in the life of a Christian before, but the Psalms become the imaginative soil out of which Jesus's prayers arose. It's so important that if Jesus saw the Psalms as the most important and fertile soil out of which to pray to God, that we do the same thing. Tim Keller is a pastor, has a really great book. It's called The Songs of Jesus. It's the daily devotional where he goes through and talks about the Psalms and their relation to Jesus. It's a really helpful tool if you want to dig more deeply into this idea. But the point of the Psalms is that these Psalms are meant to form us in our praying, and if they form Jesus in his praying, well, then we, as disciples of Jesus, ought to make that a regular pattern in our lives as well. We need to learn to pray the Psalms. We need, in essence, to learn Jesus's prayer book. Does this make sense? So that's number one. Number two is simply that the Psalms teach us how to pray. The Psalms teach us how to pray, and we kind of went over that, so I'm going to move straight to point three here real quick. And point three, I think, is really important. We pray the Psalms because human experience should not be the only thing that dictates how we pray. This sounds funny, right? Does it—the uh, d- human experience should not be the only—should uh, not be the primary thing that dictates how we pray. And you're saying, Nick, what are you talking about? How, how could my experience not be the thing that dictates how I pray? How does that make any sense? Here's what Eugene Peterson says. He says, "But the psalms were not prayed by people trying to understand themselves. They were not the record of people searching for the meaning of life. They were prayed by people who understood that God had everything to do with them. God, not their feelings, was the center. God, not their souls, was the issue. God, not the meaning in li- not the meaning of life was crucial." feelings, souls, and meaning were not excluded. They were very much in evidence, but but they are not the reason for prayers. Human experience might provoke the prayers, but they do not condition them as prayers. Have you ever spent a little bit of time praying, and and after you got done praying, you just, you kind of sat back and went, oh, all I did was ramble about my problems, anybody ever been there? You just kind of felt like, oh, I've just been rambling about my own issues. It becomes this very self-centered thing. I love how Peterson says that very often human experience can provoke our prayers, but we need to let scripture condition our prayers. Does this make sense? Very often human emotion and experience are the things that drive us to prayer, but we need to let the scriptures form and condition our prayers in, in a way that focuses them and doesn't just make them uh, an opportunity for us to just kind of look at ourselves all the time. I uh, and learning to pray like Jesus, along with the Psalms, teaches us to do this. Now, I have you. I, well, here is what I don't mean by this when I say that this, the the Scripture should condition our prayers. Have any of you met, ever met anybody who, when they pray, they sound like somebody just pushed play on an audio recording of the King James version of the Bible? Right? Has anybody ever heard one of these people before? this is not what I mean, right? I don't mean we, we verbatim art, uh, re-articulate what we read in the King James Version, and I don't think our prayers should be particularly formal, right? But I do believe that that by praying the Psalms, by soaking in the Psalms, by using the Psalms as a pattern or as a tool in our praying, it actually focuses us in a way on the things that actually matter and kind of pulls us away from some of the kind of self-centered or self-focused ways of praying that we are naturally inclined towards because, shocker, we are self-centered people, aren't we? (laughs) Are anybody else self-centered in the room today? We can just all admit it, right? we all think primarily about ourselves, all right? Um, Confession is the first step to healing, everyone. We all think primarily about ourselves, and so we need the Psalms to help us, and we need the Psalms to help us think good thoughts about God, because if we don't think good thoughts about God in our praying, our praying won't be as effective, will it? Now, that is why I think we should use the Psalms to pray. But how do we use the Psalms to pray? How, what are the practical steps we need to put into place for how we are to pray the Psalms? And I would argue, I'm just going to lay out some really simple things here that I think help us learn how to actually pray. And the very first thing we need to do if we're reading the Psalms is to pray or to read them slowly, to read them slowly. Here's Eugene Peterson on the Psalms again. He says, In prayer, we intend to leave the world of anxieties and enter a world of wonder. We decide to leave an ego-centered world and enter a God-centered world. We will leave a world of problems and enter a world of mystery. But it is not easy. We are used to anxieties, egos, and problems. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what you're used to like me? We are not used to wonder, God, and mystery. We are not used to wonder, God, and mystery. Sometimes we want to speed through our praying. Don't don't you ever know what I mean? Sometimes we, sometimes we think the purpose of prayer or the purpose of time in the scriptures is to check it off the list of our day, right? Are any of you list-making type people? You think that it, the, the primary purpose of it is to check it off our day. But I would argue that the primary purpose of prayer and the primary purpose of time in the scriptures, in the in the library of scripture, is to be a people who move from a like a me-centered, ego-centered, anxiety-centered, problem-centered reality into a God-centered reality. And we can't do that by simply... Uh, by simply reading quickly and checking something off a list. We actually have to read slowly. You know, very often when I'm reading a psalm, it takes me three or four times through the psalm reading slowly before I even begin to understand what it is that is being communicated in that psalm. It's very difficult to speed through it. Psalms are poetry, aren't they? And poetry is something that needs to be soaked in, needs to be experienced, needs to wash over us more than once before we can enter that world, before we can understand that from its own perspective. And so we need to read slowly when we read the Psalms. From our teaching text today, we can take an example of this in Psalm, at the first three verses of Psalm chapter 30. Here's uh, the beginning of this. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you have lifted me out of the depths, and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You Lord brought me up from the realm of the dead and spared me from going down to the pit. Fascinating, right? As we read that slowly, right? We can read it. We can read it quickly and just kind of gloss over it. But as we read it slowly, and it begins to have its impact on us, we begin to realize things. And God, through the Holy Spirit, will begin to bring different aspects out of that. Which leads me to the next point. The next practical advice for reading the Psalms as a tool for prayer: read them aloud. Did you know that before? Uh, really, the modern era, no one read quietly in their own heads. Did you know this? So, uh, there's a story. There's a there's a story from um, the church father Augustine, of him uh, fa- walking on a road and hearing someone read the scriptures out of a window, uh, hearing a pastor, a pastor named Ambrose, out of a window, uh, and being struck by the power of the words that he heard being read, and. And it's funny to us because most of the time we read quietly to ourselves. But uh, in the ancient world, no one read quietly. They all read out loud. At the very least, they, they mouthed the words. But yet we've got into this habit of reading quietly, of reading to ourselves. But the, the, the Psalms and all of the prayers in the Bible and all of the letters in the Bible, actually the entirety of the Bible, was written in order to be read aloud in public. It's the way it was written. It's the reason it was written. And the psalms were written to be sung and to be read aloud in, in a corporate gathering. And so when we read them aloud, we begin to learn the cadence and the, the structure and the kind of form that these psalms take. They begin to take on uh, a real kind of significance and, and purpose when we read them aloud. We need to read the psalms aloud. And as we read them aloud, and as we read them slowly, right, and as we read them diligently multiple times, what will begin to happen is different things will begin to come out of these, these psalms to us. And, and, what we, and as different aspects of the psalm begin to be illuminated to our hearts and minds, then what do we do with them? What do we do with the psalm as we as we read it aloud and as we read it slowly and as we read it through multiple times and we attempt to enter the world of the psalm? How do we then pray it back to God? That's the question, right? Well, there's different ways of doing this, but um, uh, but they're but they're all very very important. One of the ways that I have found that's very helpful to do this as you're reading slowly and you're reading aloud is simply to paraphrase that. What if you if you're reading and God illuminates a. a, a a passage or a sentence or even a word to you, to paraphrase that and pray it back to God, to pray it back to God in your own language as a way of of actually praying the psalm. So paraphrasing is a good way of doing it. Personalizing the psalm for your context. Sometimes psalms are not always in the first person, and putting those in the first person and putting yourself in the shoes of the prayer of the psalm is a helpful way to pray the psalm. You find themes that stick out to you, and you pray them, and you personalize them, and you paraphrase them in such a way as that they help you to, uh, to ent- again, enter the world of the psalm and learn from the psalmist the way that this prayer works, the way that it functions. Again, a great example of this could be in verse 1 of Psalm 30, where the psalmist says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and you did not let my enemies glow over me. Maybe the theme when you read through that, maybe the theme that sticks out to you is that I will exalt you, Lord. Just that sentence, just that phrase. And, and maybe on a morning you open Psalm 30, uh, open to Psalm 30, you don't feel like exalting the Lord, but the will, just the word, I will exalt the Lord, regardless of how I'm feeling that morning, there's an insistence behind it, isn't there? And you lean into the insistence of the will in that little sentence, in that little phrase. And you begin to mull it over and to pray it and to begin to exalt the Lord in your own life and in your own words. I will exalt the Lord even when I don't feel like it. I will exalt the Lord when I haven't had a cup of coffee. I will exalt the Lord when my kids are doing this into my bedroom at five in the morning. Like, I will. Why will I? Because I'm being led to do it by the Lord, by the Psalm, I'm being led to, and and so I will, I will, I will, and so as we as we uh, pay attention to what the Psalmist says, and we read slowly, and we read deliberately, and we begin to paraphrase, and we begin to pray, this thing begins to happen, where what where what was someone else's prayer quickly becomes our prayer. You know, the insistence of that opening line, I will exalt the Lord, maybe it then becomes a, a refrain for you throughout the day. Maybe it becomes a little line that you carry with yourself as you, uh, as you go to work or go on to your computer and attempt to work or uh, go to the grocery store or have a rough interaction with somebody uh, in your family, right? I will exalt the Lord. You carry it with you throughout the day, and it becomes a little prayer that God has implanted in you, and that when that happens day after day after day after day for the whole of your life, what, what happens? You begin to be a, a prayer-soaked person. You can't help but become a prayer-soaked person in those situations because you've made those prayers a part of yourself. And you've, made, and you've learned the language or the vocabulary of prayer from Jesus' prayer book. So that's the, the second thing. And the final thing I want to say this morning about how we pray the Psalms is that we need to pray the Psalms with Jesus in mind. Sometimes when we read the Psalms, they don't say the name of Jesus, right? But when we pray the Psalms, we need to pray the Psalms with Jesus in mind, And this, I think, is the most important and revolutionary way that Christians are called to read the Psalms. Here's what Tim Keller says. He says, as you consider a particular Psalm, imagine uh, how he, Jesus, would have thought about it, knowing who he was and what he came to do. Uh, when uh, When we come to a lament, we usually think of it in reference to suffering or feelings we are having. Remember, how, however, that Jesus suffered. When you come to a psalm of refuge, remember, remember that we hide in Jesus, and he forgives and cleanses us from our sins, which is our truest danger. You see, as we read the psalms uh, with Jesus in mind, it actually draws us closer to Jesus. The, sh- the Psalms, when we read them, when we pray them, should illuminate aspects of Jesus's ministry and character to us. They should push us towards Jesus. That's the purpose of our praying, right? To draw us close to Jesus. Here's an example for you from Psalm 30. In Psalm 30, verse 3, it says this, "'You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spare me from going down to the pit.'" Now, you can pray that verse about God, right? I mean, about yourself, uh, and about how God wants to release you from the pit of whatever difficult situation you're in, and that's a totally appropriate way to pray that psalm. It is. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, and you feel like you're in a pit, and you want God to release you, and and that's the way that prayer works. But what happens when you read verse 3 with Jesus in mind? What happens when you read, You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead? You spared me from going down to, to, the, in, down to the pit. What does that become about? Resurrection, right? That becomes about the resurrection of Jesus. It's this powerful reminder. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was brought down into the realm of the dead but was resurrected out of that realm by the power of God and overcame death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah, right? This is what the Psalms do when we read them in the light of Jesus. This has been revolutionary for me lately. I've just been... Um, one of the things that you run across in the psalms is a lot of kingly psalms, psalms about, uh, psalms from the king of, from King David, right? About uh, all of these different aspects of the king, and they can be kind of, they're not very moving personally, right? Like, I'm not a king. I got a mortgage. Like, there's no, uh, there's no king associated in my life. Um, I I change diapers. Uh, but but when i read the kingly psalms in the light of jesus right and all of the, all that they mean all that they mean in the light of who jesus is the true king right it takes on all this different power and significance and purpose you see if all you do in a psalm is read Jesus into it and come to praise God just a little bit more, come to understand Jesus just a little bit more because of what that psalm has to say about the person of Jesus, the fulfillment of all of the Scriptures? Well, you win, regardless of whether you even thought about yourself when you were were praying this psalm. If it makes you glorify and praise the risen Lord of the universe, well then, that's a good time in prayer, isn't it? You see, we need the help of the Psalms to pray in this way because we don't know how to pray all the time, do we? Have you ever thought to yourself, like, I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing here. I have no idea, right? We pray the Psalms, and part of the reason they're given to us is so that we can do that. You see, here's what I've come to experience in my own life. I am empty most of the time. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't have a whole lot going on some mornings, right? I feel a little wrung out. I feel like I was up too late the night before, or I got up early, or I have things weighing on me. And what I don't need to do in those moments is get out a pen and paper and journal about my own dysfunction. I need to look to Jesus, <laughs> right? This is what I need to do, and now I do journal, so don't don't hear me saying that, but I don't just need to think about myself. I need to be led by the scriptures into the presence of Jesus, to look into the face of Jesus, to glorify and praise Jesus, and yes, some, some mornings that process will lead me to pray for all kinds of things, whether it be the church or my family or a circumstance that I'm encountering in my life, and very often the Psalms do that as well, but we have to see all of the scripture as doing what it was primarily intended to do which is to glorify jesus and reveal jesus to us to draw us closer to jesus this is the purpose of the bible and it's the purpose of the psalms and it's the purpose of our praying and if we don't do anything else but read the psalms and are drawn closer to jesus uh, in a 15-minute prayer session in the morning think we're doing all right don't you so here's my very practical encouragement to you today read a psalm read a psalm here's what i do so uh i brought my phone up just to show you so i have this app that's called the daily office this is what i read scripture from most days And so uh, today, February 7th, 2001, it has three psalms, actually, because I usually read one or two in the morning and one at night before bed. But it's Psalm 93 and Psalm uh, 96, and then Psalm 34 is the evening psalm. And so I download this, and I read those psalms during the day, and I try to the best of my ability, not always perfectly, to read those psalms. Another way of doing this is just to read all the psalms straight through, all 150 of them, just a day at a time, right? So, on the, uh, you, you can start tomorrow with Psalm 1, and you can read all the way through them, and then you can start over. You might have to break some, a couple of them up into a couple days, because some of them are a little long, but you can do it as a means of helping you to pray. Now, I'm not telling you jettison any other practices of prayer that you've had before, and I'm not telling you that this is the only tool to help us pray but I do believe it's one of the most important tools, and it's one that we have become unfamiliar with, I think, in evangelical church in America, because we don't, we don't hear the Psalms recited, and we don't pray them very often, and, we, and I, for one, was never taught this uh, in church growing up, but I think it's an incredibly important thing, and so I want to encourage you every day to read a psalm. Last year was our year of biblical literacy, and every day along with reading through the Bible, there was a psalm to read for this very reason, because we can't distance ourselves from the prayer book of the Bible. We have to be about the business of praying it. So that's what we should do. So as we conclude today, just take this as a pastoral encouragement. Pick up your Bible and read a psalm tomorrow, all right? Grab your phone and, and read a psalm and see what God will do in and through it as, over time, we step into that rhythm. It becomes this powerful thing in our lives that actually transforms us. So, would you stand with me this morning as we go? And as we go this morning, I just want to read Psalm 30 again, out loud with you. And as you, as you pray it with me in your mind, or read it on the screen, uh, with me in, 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 through words, I just want you to listen to what the Spirit might be saying uh, in your heart as, as I read it and see what maybe word or phrase in that sticks out to you and what maybe God wants you to take away from this public reading of this prayer today. Does that sound good? That's how we're going to close today. So just in an attitude of prayer, you can read uh, with me along, well, to yourself. I'll read out loud. Ready? I will exalt you, Lord. For you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, "I will never be shaken." Lord, when you favored me, you made, uh, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, And not be silent. Whoa, Lord God, I will praise you forever. Amen. That's how we're going to conclude today. All right, let's pray, shall we? Father, we love you, and we give our uh, we give our attention to you, God. We pray that you would make us a praying people, that you would teach us the vocabulary of prayer, and that you would instill in our hearts a deep longing and desire to be near you in this way. Jesus, we love you, and we praise your name today. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, thanks for being with us. If you brought a gift, you can place it in the box on your way out. Uh, Go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.